well, this is still the Holy Spirit series I've been on. I don't know how many I've done. I, uh, I'm just going. So if you're a great note taker, you know, just write down Holy Ghost again. Four, five, six, whatever. I started this in January, so I don't know. You know, it's really funny. Uh, the, uh, you know, I, I told you all a while back about, you know, about nine months ago, I got a little puppy. And uh, so I think God brought this dog into my life to, to, to season me. And uh, so most mornings when I get up to go out and pray and take the dog, make sure she's doing her business and go out, well, the dog just goes and gets a toy and comes over there and beats me on the leg the whole time while I'm trying to stand around, walk around and pray, gets the soccer ball, runs it in my feet, you know, tries to trip me, tries to knock me down, tries to bite me. tries to, And it's just, you know, I mean, it's kind of a hard distraction when you're trying to talk to God Almighty. And there's a dog with a deal going, gets a bone, brings it up, chews it on my foot, you know. And I, so finally I started telling the Lord, I said, what is this? Is this like you're, you're, in, you're, you're, you're just doing this so that I can get to where distractions don't bother me and I just keep my relationship with you. And then I said that kind of jokingly, but now I'm kind of thinking it really is the truth. You know, like this morning, it seems like I had to fight all the hell just to get here to minister this message to you this morning, but I'm just believing God that I'm going to tell you a truth today that will change your life. I'm going to lay something out to you very simple. It's not complicated. It's very simple if you believe the word. You know, if you don't really believe the Bible's true and you're going on some doctrinal something that, you know, some, some somebody, some somewhere, some, some something said, then, you know, I can't help you. Hello? I can only preach the truth of the Word of God. Y'all with me? Y'all, y'all believe the Bible's true? Do you really believe the Bible's true? Do you believe your Holy Bible is really a Holy Bible? Living Word? And so I'm not trying to pull anything out of text this morning. I wouldn't do that to you. That's not what I'm about. But I'm going to go through the Bible using Old and New Testament and show you some things about the Holy Spirit. Now, the last message I preached on directly about the Holy Spirit, because last week I said I'm not getting your heart right, because you're, you're not going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if your heart's not right. And that's a big, a big thing. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a, you start talking about your heart and... I'll, you know, that gets big. You, can just, you just can run with that forever. But uh, I just talked about being hungry, you know, for God, hungry for the things of God, hungry to have a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the week before that, I do remember that I taught about the Holy Spirit is God. He is absolutely God. Is God is God. Is God the Father is God. Is God is Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Hello? He's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's not just some comforter a blanket got thrown on you. He's not just your assistant helper in life. No, he is God Almighty. Amen? Okay. So then I want to show you today, I want to go simply through here, and I want to start in Ezekiel, Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. And so I want to show you what the whole plan was. It's all written out in the Bible. It's not complicated. That's what gets me when I don't understand why denominations get off and people get off and they go over here. The only reason why that can be is because they do not read their Bible. Can I have an amen? I mean, you can't, if you're just, if you're not following the instruction manual, then, right? I don't know why, but I, I, I got into watching the Smithsonian Channel and watching air disasters. I don't know why I was doing that. I mean, stupid me. You know, you go get on a plane. I watch all this stuff. Planes crash and the reason why they crash. But 90% of everything crashes because people didn't follow the checklist. And I was watching it the other day and I was just like, man, listen, these, these pilots would have followed the checklist and done what they said when they were supposed to put the flaps down or whatever, you know, and they'd have just gone through the one, two, three, four, five process. Everything would have been okay, but they didn't do it. They tried to skip one. Well, we humans do the same thing. We try to skip processes. We try to skip what's going on and just go from here to here, and we think we can do it. And it doesn't work. Well, the Bible's the same way. So I'm going to lay it out. It's going to be so simple this morning. I'm just going to lay it out. Here you go, Ezekiel 36, 25. 
God speaking through Ezekiel, the prophet, he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments, and you will do them. This was always the heart of God the Father, what he wanted for us. For us to have a heart of flesh, a heart that could feel, a heart that would, 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 you know, would beat for God, but that we would be in, empowered by His Holy Spirit, God. Let me put it that way, empowered by God. Amen? You know, <clears throat> right now, uh, uh, I was talking to Sister Annie down in, uh, in, in Alamo, and then all the missions are in Mexico. And right now, today, there's a church from uh, Mexico City that went up into a village, and they, they had to drive to this, had to drive over to where this village was, and then they had to walk an hour and a half up into the mountains carrying uh, groceries and food and supplies and books and stuff up an hour and a half to get to this village to preach the gospel to them. And, and we paid for it. We're, we're supplying them the finances to have all the money and all the resources to go do that. And so she was telling me, hey, you got a part in this. They're out there. And there was 35 people. And so they climbed up an hour and a half up into this mountain to preach the gospel to people that never heard the gospel before. All right? You're not going to do that unless you yourself are empowered by the Spirit of God. Or you're crazy. I remember years ago we went and there was the same kind of a little situation. Thank God it wasn't an hour and a half up a hill. But there was a, when we got to the bottom of the hill, I looked up and man, it was, poof. I was a younger man then. And I was like, holy moly. And I'll never forget, I started going up this thing, and it was a steep, you know, steep angle. And we're trying to get to the top to where the church is. And I had, um, I started out with a case of Bibles. And then quickly I saw, you're not going to make it. So I changed with one of the younger guys and gave him the case of Bibles, and I had the overhead projector. So it wasn't quite as heavy. A little bulkier, but it wasn't quite as heavy. And so I'm making up, then I had to stop about halfway up, and I'm resting, and a lady came by. And she took the projector from me, put it on top of her head, and climbed the rest of the mountain, and already made it up to the church and was sitting there before I got there. It's kind of embarrassing. <clears throat> but you don't do those kind of things unless you're empowered by the Spirit, unless God is doing something. You're sitting here today because God has moved you in your life to wherever you are. Otherwise, you'd be out fishing. Right? But this was the heart of God to do this to his people, but he couldn't do it to his people because the problem was is the vessel, us, wasn't righteous, wasn't holy, wasn't able to house the presence of God. In the Old Testament, when anybody came in contact with the presence of God, whether you snuck behind the temple veil or you went back there for whatever reason and you weren't supposed to be there and you didn't do all the sacrifices and have the blood and all this stuff sprinkled on you, man, you were killed. You were the power of God killed you, smoked you right there. They swept you up in the dustpan, took you out. So God's absolutely holy. There's never been a problem with people seeing God's face. There's only a problem with people seeing God's face when they're not right. Hello? So God had to do something. So now go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This was the heart of God to get people filled with, and covered in the Holy Spirit. That was always his heart. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, And you made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Okay, that's where we were. We were lost in sin, all of us. Nobody was excused. All of us, nobody could, could keep the law or keep whatever they had to do to be righteous before God. All of us were sinners. Nobody's excused, all right? But look at this. But God. Everybody say, but God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So God said, look, I want to fill you full of the Holy Spirit. I want my spirit wrapped around you, but I can't because your vessel's not right. You with me? Your vessel's not right. It's not holy. It can't house me because it's not a holy vessel. Hello? It's not a holy vessel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to deal with that issue. I'm going to send you Jesus. And by faith and grace in him, then now all of a sudden your vessel's going to be able to house the Spirit of God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You didn't stand a chance without Jesus. Listen to me. I don't care who you are. I don't care how... Many good works you want to do, I don't care what you want to do, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to have the ability to house the Spirit of God, to have God with you, unless you have Jesus. Unless His blood's washed over your life, unless His blood has forgiven you of your sins, unless Jesus is the answer to your life, you're not going to make it, folks. I laugh at people because, you know, I've used this example so many times, but I want you to to, to get it. If we lined up in here this morning, I took somebody... Sweet, like my wife, and y'all went over and told her what you did this week. And then she gave me the list of who was the biggest sinner in here and who was the least sinner in here. And I lined you up from one end to the other, and that end down there being the one who didn't do very bad this week was the least of the sinners, and the big-time sinners were out there. It don't make any difference. You're all sinners. None of us are going to be able to stand in the presence of Almighty God without the blood of Jesus. Because the, old, the law says that if you're guilty in one part, you're guilty in it all. And it's either by faith in Jesus you're living your life, or it's going to be by works. And if you want to live by works, I'm going to tell you, God bless you, but I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to make it. You won't make it. You don't, it doesn't count if you gave it a pretty good shot. This isn't like horseshoes. You just try to come close. Right? Okay. So then, look down at, in chapter 2. He's still in Ephesians 2. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Folks, it's all about Jesus. If Jesus isn't in your life, if Jesus isn't in who you look to every day with him, you're just, just beating the drum in the wrong place, eh? Look at Romans 4.16. Romans 4.16. It says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Do you notice here that when Paul is preaching to the church at Rome, he skips talking about Moses and goes all the way back to Abraham. So if you know your Bible, you know, Abraham came first. God told Abraham to leave. His land and go out and he's going to give him a promised land, right? And then after Abraham, then all the things come about. And then all of a sudden it's, here's Moses delivered from Egypt, right? And he goes up to Mount Sinai and he gets the law. And Moses was this, you know, man, this detailed guy. I mean, this guy, just think about it. To write all the things that Moses wrote, first five books of the Bible, Old Testament, Right? And you got all the law and you got everything in here. Well, all God was doing is using Moses to show us that we can never be right with God. How would you like that ministry? Your ministry is ineffective. You know it's ineffective. It's not going to help anybody get saved. But you're going to do it to lay it out before the people to say, oh, you're guilty. I'm glad that's not me. I'm glad I get to preach Jesus. So now let's look at this Abraham... And let's look at what God was saying to him. Go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Okay, y'all just follow me along here. I'm just laying this out. I'm like a a lawyer laying out his case before the court here. There he was. God had a promise for you. Wanted you you to be, it was what he promised, what he wanted for his people to be living in them, dwelling in them, covering them. They were an impure vessel. He had to make a way. Made a way through Jesus. And then 
He says, by faith, you're going back to the faith of Abraham. Let's look at this promise God gave Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. It was a simple, a simple covenant. The covenant is God said, if you do what I say and you leave the land, you go to, I'm going to bless you. So what does it mean to be blessed by God? I mean, think about it, church. What is being blessed? Is being blessed like having all the money in the world, having all the, you know, the big ranch, the big farm, the big whatever, you know, whatever your dream or your desire would be? Is that what makes you blessed? Are you blessed when you have peace in your life? I mean, you got, you got to ask yourself these questions. What does blessing mean? I love America. I love what this nation stands for. I love that, that we're a nation that, you, that if a person wants to strive to, to, to become something, he can do it. He has an opportunity. But I think in some senses we've, we have strived for maybe in the wrong areas because we've taken the, what the American dream, which should be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and we've turned it into amassing as much as we can to, to, to give us our flesh as much satisfaction as we can get so that we can feel good about ourselves. Right? But the truth of the matter is to be blessed by God, really when it boils right down to it, is to mean you got peace in your heart. You're free from torment. You're free from, from, from the, the enemy having gaining ground on you. Right? So the covenant with Abraham was simple. If I'm going to bless you. And you're going to, be, you're going to get so blessed, you're going to become a blessing. In other words, you're so blessed that you can't help. You're so happy you can't help but make somebody else happy. I was listening to a, a, a guy who's actually a clinical psychologist and and he was talking about that, that, that our young people today are, are, are a generation like never been before because there's not anything that they see that's good. There's not anything that's, you know, everything is about uh, it's the bad Democrats or the bad Republicans or the earth is going to die. We're going to die anytime. The earth's going to change. We're killing the earth. Oh, my gosh, you drove a car and carbon went out and it's dying and the earth is dying and the seas are dying and the fish are dying and everybody's dying and we're all got it, you know, and. Y'all with me? Every time you turn around, there's just another problem. Another problem is that they're getting depressed and they have no vision for their future because they don't see anything that looks good. And when I was listening to this guy, I was thinking, man, is that ever the, the, the time for the gospel? That you can be right with Almighty God and he will bless you and make you a blessing because you're so blessed you can bless everybody else around you. Right? Okay. So then he says, I'm about, and then it's simpler the other way. And if anybody that comes against you, I'm going to curses you, then I'm going to take care of it. I mean, doesn't that make you feel like like the big brother? You know, like here you are, or the or the amazing father, however you want to look at it, you know. And you're just like all of a sudden you're secure because now you know you're blessed, and he's there. If anybody says anything, he'll take care of it. Okay, so go over to the New Testament, Galatians chapter three, verse thirteen, and let's look at what it says right here. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, that's what I just explained. Having become a curse for us, for his written curses, everyone that hangs on the tree. Look, why? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, what blessing? The blessing I just read to you out of Genesis Chapter 12, it's not a specific blessing. It's not saying you'll always be rich or you'll always be healthy. No, it's God's saying it's one big blanket. I'm blessing you. 
How much can God bless you? He's God. Think about this. How much can God bless you? God with you? He wants to bless you? How much can he bless you? If I'm going to bless you, you're going to be limited. Right? I mean, I may can bless you in some areas, but then I'm going to run out of resources. God doesn't run out of resources. Are y'all starting to, I mean, is there anything clicking in there? Because this is really good. Why was this going to happen? You, the, you were redeemed from the curse. Jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Look at here. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What promise are you talking about? The very first one I read to you, the one over in Ezekiel 36. The promise of sending the Holy Spirit. Look how Paul reduced everything into this small scripture saying, look, you've been redeemed. And now the promise can come upon you. And when that promise comes upon you, the blessing comes upon you. So then what are we worried about? I mean, honestly. How can the devil torment us when this is what's promised us? It's simple. But why do we let him twist our tail? Why do we let him get us all out of sorts? Why do we do that? Why do we get depressed? This week I read the scripture. My scripture in my daily reading was James 1. I hate James 1. Count it all joy, brothers, when you fall into diverse trials and temptations. I hate that. I, I mean, like, I bet, every, I bet I'd like to see the look on the people's faces in the morning James preached that in church. <laughs> Count it all joy, brothers, or you're being tormented. None of us like that. We all want everything to go good, right? I mean, we got to admit it. We all want everything to go good. And then the older I get, it's like, you know, you find that you can just pull a muscle in the bed at night. So you don't even know what happened. You just wake up and you're just like, why is my knee hurting? I didn't do anything. Right? And I tell the Lord, I talk about him with him. He don't tell, talk back with me. But I talked to him all about it. I said, Lord, this is just not right. You're wasting all the juice on the youth over there, man. We old people, we need the juice. I mean, how we we got wisdom. They got juice and they're just getting in trouble. Why don't you just take some half it? Give us half. We'll take our half, put it over on them. They'll get slower. They'll stay out of trouble more. Because they're too tired to stay up all night. I mean, it seems like a smart thing. Okay. So what I'm showing you here is the Apostle Paul is telling us what it was. We're redeemed, we're a vessel that's right, and then the promise is going to come upon us. And the true blessing is the Holy Spirit on us. So now go to Luke 24, 49. Let's see what Jesus said. Luke 24 and 49, Jesus said, Behold... Here you go again. I send the promise of my father upon you. What promise? The promise of Ezekiel 36 over there, that he wants to pour his spirit out upon us. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Okay, go to skip to Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Acts 1, 7. For he said to them, and it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what I'm saying to you is that these scriptures here are saying it didn't happen at the moment that Jesus spoke it. It was coming. Do you notice that? He said, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem to be endued with power. You have to tarry. You had to wait. It was coming, but it hadn't taken place just yet. 
Okay? So after the resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, we find some interesting things here, okay, that take place that I need to show you. And first got to show you this. Go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3. I mean, this is just a, a really basic teaching message with a twist at the end that I get to preach. Hebrews 8.3, you've got to understand something. If you go study, one of the most intricate things you can study in the Bible is to go study and look at the, the tabernacle of Moses and all the intricate things that was made in the tabernacle. Everything was made very specific. They had a number. Listen to me. Guys, how many of y'all have ever, you know, like you, you, you're tearing down a building or something, you're pulling nails, you know, you pull, got a crowbar and you're pulling nails and you got a bunch of bent nails there. These guys had to take nails and nail the, the floor planks down and they had a specific number of nails and then they had to pull them up and pull the boards off, take the nails out. I don't know, I guess they straightened them because I never seen anybody pull a nail straight and get these nails straight. And then make sure they didn't lose any of them and, care, and use them for the next time they set up the tabernacle. They had the certain amount of curtain rings that went around the thing. The certain badger skins were dyed certain ways. I mean, this thing was so completely, absolutely intricate. It was not just like, well, here you go, guys. How many of y'all ever been hunting and then you got out there and put your tent up and you, you were minus a piece? Huh? And you're over there whittling your stick. Because she forgot the center pole or something. We all laugh, but we've all been there and we've all done that. Amen. You're over there tying it off to the truck or something because you didn't have the pieces you needed. Okay? Now, this is a tabernacle. And these guys were set that they had to take it. It's so intricate. But if you look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3, let me read this. It says, Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it's necessary that one also, having something to offer, for if we were... For if he were on earth, he would be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed. The tabernacle that Moses built was only a copy, a pattern, a blueprint, a shadow of what was real in heaven. You see that? So if you go study the old tabernacle and the altars and all the table of showbread and all that kind of stuff like that, if that was the pattern, well, then the real one was in heaven. Y'all follow me? I'm not pulling something out. I'm trying to make something up here. I'm just telling you, you just read the scriptures. It says there was a real one in heaven that they got the pattern from. Moses got the blueprint from what heaven looked like and was given to him. And what he did on earth became the pattern. Okay, now look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11 says, But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and of calves, with his own blood he entered the holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So when the, in the, on earth, the high priest had to go in once a year to the, to the uh, end of the tabernacle, go into the Holy of Holies, go up to the Ark of the Covenant, and they had to pour out blood upon that ark so that it would represent the covering of the sins of the children of Israel for one year. Okay, it was a pattern. Hear what I'm saying to you? It was a pattern. Jesus, it says here out of Hebrews, that he went to the real tabernacle, the one in heaven, the heavenly tabernacle, and the blood that got poured out on the altar, on the ark, covering the sins of man, was his. So that in heaven right now, crying out for you on the ark is the blood of Jesus. 
You follow this? I mean, if you've never heard any teaching like this, you may think, this guy's nuts. I'm not nuts. I'm just reading the scriptures. I'm just showing what the Bible teaches us. So the story goes, and, and I've read stuff that says this is right, and some say it's not, but it kind of makes sense to me, but I cannot prove it to you. So this has to be a thus saith Robert, all right? And you can go research it yourself. But when the high priest went in to the Holy of Holies once a year to pour out the blood, there was, they, had, they had the law written of everything they had to follow. I mean, you talk about a checklist. They would check, That priest was checking because he had to go back in the Holy of Holies behind this veil that was so thick they said 12 yoke of oxen on each side of it couldn't rip it. And he had to go through the curtain and go up to the altar and the, the ark and pour out the blood and get out of there without getting killed. Right? So they had to put the blood. So he had to have faith in the blood, had to have faith in the ritual, had to have faith in the checklist. So, you know, he's got his, his servants, all of the other priestly Levites around him, and they're going through the checklist, and okay, we're supposed to sprinkle the blood, and we're supposed to say this, and we're supposed to say this, and do this. And I mean, nobody was cutting it short. I mean, the priest, the high priest, was saying, make sure we're doing this right. Now, they say, some things say, and this is where it gets a little deal that they that they tied a rope around the, the high priest's foot so that if he went into the Holy of Holies and the, and the Spirit of God killed him because he didn't do anything right, well, then they could drag him out. I've heard this over and over. Now, check it. And some people say yes. Some people say no. I can't find it in the Word that it says that's what they did. But I'm just thinking in a logical sense. If he didn't come out, who's going in to get him? I mean, I just think of this in a logical sense. But it doesn't say it in the scriptures that they did this. And so to me, it seems like if they added the rope, that would be even less of faith and get themselves in trouble more. And, and that, that would have killed him for sure. I don't know. But the point I'm trying to say to you is they went in with fear of going into the, to, to there to be right. But when he came out, then all of Israel said, Woohoo! Man! He went in, he came out, blood's on there. We're clean for a year. We got a year. God's watching. We're okay. Right? And there was excitement. There was rejoicing. How much more should we be rejoicing? Knowing that Jesus, our elder brother, went to heaven and on the ark right there poured out his blood saying all of us have grace and are forgiven. If you come to God and repent, you can get saved. How much should all of us say, hey, man, that's Jesus' blood on there. Ain't no sheep blood. Ain't no ram blood. Ain't no blood of a bull or a calf. That is the blood of our Savior, Jesus, on that altar crying out for us. I mean, folks, listen to me. We should be rejoicing all day long, skipping and dancing. When the devil comes up and messes with us, say, hey, go look at the blood. The blood's crying out in heaven for us. Because it's real. There's a real heaven up there, and there's a real ark, and there's a real blood of Jesus poured out on it for you. So, Jesus says that he wanted to send the promise of the Father, right? That's what he said he was going to do. Now, let me find this. I got my scriptures out of line here. In the book of John, let me find it here. Unless I didn't put it down. I have to call it from memory. In John chapter 20. Here it is, 17. John 20, verse 17. When, when Mary went to the, temp, to the tomb for the body of Jesus, and she met Jesus, he says something to her that really didn't make sense unless you were looking at it from this perspective. John 20, 17, Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. So he, Jesus said, wait a minute, I'm going, don't, don't cling to me yet, Mary. Don't, don't hold me here in my earthly body because I still got some business to do in heaven. 
So I don't know exactly because the Bible, again, doesn't tell us specifics here. We just know what happened. But somehow from the point of the resurrection to the point of Jesus coming back and walking in the room with the disciples, he went to heaven and poured the blood out. Somewhere in that time period, somehow he did that. Okay? So then he's done it. Now everything in heaven is straight. And so then what's the next thing that happens? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The promise of God was poured out. You see, the, let, let's, let me say this, and, I, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to knock anything, folks. Listen to me. Don't get offended with me if for your, your, your religious raising or whatever like that. When I use the word Pentecostal, I'm not talking about a denomination, okay? I'm talking about you, you, you cannot take the Holy Spirit and just say, well, it's just about praying in tongues. Oh, it's just about the power of God. Oh, it's just about a Pentecostal experience. Oh, it's just about Pentecost. Folks, listen to me. You've got to look at the full picture. The full picture is it was the promise of God to send his spirit down upon you because now you were redeemed and he wanted to live and dwell in you and bring about the Abrahamic blessing in your life. That was the whole point. You can't say, oh, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. I, I, when I was a kid, I prayed in tongues and, yeah, I got that. You know, yeah, we went to a revival meeting, did that, you know, but I got no use. No, what are you talking about? What do you mean you got no use for that? That's the whole point. Get right so that God can pour his spirit out upon you. And Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit can be upon you. That's the whole point of what God was doing. And if you try to separate the Holy Ghost and put him over here, well, then, folks, listen to me. You have missed the whole plan of redemption. You were being redeemed for a purpose. The purpose being so that now your vessel is clean and the Spirit of God can live on the inside of you. So that God would bless you. This, this, Listen how simple this is. So that you would be blessed and then you just naturally became a blessing. Not having to have some... Some snooty old preacher looking down his glasses at you saying, you better not do that. You shouldn't do that. You better go do this. You shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't look like that. No. So that the, you were just so blessed because you're with God that everywhere you went, everybody's like, I like being around you. <laughs> being around you, you makes me happy. Being around you, I just am blessed. Just being in your presence, I'm blessed. Man, I had the sniffles this morning. You came in here and had coffee with me, and I feel great now because you're so blessed. But what are Christians doing around there? We're fighting as much as everybody else, getting his divorce as much as everybody else, having addictions as much as everybody else, crying and whining and complaining about it as much as everybody else. Why? Because you forgot what the whole plan of redemption is about. The whole plan of redemption is that the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, would be in us, over us, all over us. The promise of the Father was sent unto us because of what Jesus did. He poured his blood out for us. So when you read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it's not about a Pentecostal experience. It's about the promise of God coming about and manifesting. It's the proof of us as Christians to say, yeah, Jesus sent the promise. Jesus goes to heaven. I don't know how it worked exactly. Come on. Just don't, don't, don't pin me down to this. But he pours his blood out. I don't know if he had it enough. I don't know how he did it. Let me just give me this. He goes up there and he's got his blood in a pitcher and he pours it out on top of the ark. And then he said, okay, Father, send the promise. And then that was Pentecost Sunday. And the only reason why it's called Pentecost, it doesn't have anything. To, it means 50 days after the Passover. Pentecost is 50. That's all it is. It's not like the Shandai Rondai experience. It isn't, the Bible doesn't say it was just 50 days after the Passover, which was the start of the feast, which that was foretold in the Old Testament. It was going to happen then. But Jesus pours it out, and then he looks at the Father and said, okay, now they're ready. You can send the promise. Now the vessels are sanctified by the blood. Let me ask you this question. In the Old Testament, when the high priest came walking out of the temple and everybody was rejoicing other than the emotion of feeling joy right that 
everything was taken care of. Nothing really physically happened. Right? They didn't get a glowing tongue on top of their head or, you know, they didn't look around and say, Charlie, you got something on your head. Y'all with me? It was what they knew, the truth. They accepted the truth by faith. And they rejoiced because the high priest came out and he said, if I come out, then y'all are clean. And so everything's good. And we're Christians walking around doubting that the word of God is real when we can read this and know that Jesus poured his blood out for us. And that's what's crying out in heaven for you. And we doubt. We walk in doubt. We let our flesh have dominion over us and we walk in doubt. And we let our minds trick us and fool us and and do whatever. And we walk in doubt and it's all because we don't believe that what I'm telling you this morning is the truth. Or we're scared of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh, he might make me pray in tongues. I don't want to look silly. I saw a crazy Pentecostal one time. Scared me. First time I did, I, I, I said, man, I've been in barroom fights. It's more organized than this. I told the guy with me, I said, if that guy comes over here, I'm going to hit him. I said, I don't like it. I don't know what he's throwing. He's scaring me. That was my first Pentecostal experience. But as I study the scriptures, look at it, I was like, wait a minute, that's not what the scripture ever He Jesus turned to the Father and said, okay, now you can send the promise. They're okay, so Acts chapter 2, the promise comes. Let me hurry along here. Ephesians 1.13, it says that the Holy Spirit, let me read it. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of the glory. While we're here on earth, our earnest money paid for us is the Spirit of God on us. The Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit being our helper, our guide, the one that we talk to and have conversation with. Somebody said, well, you hear you talking something? Yeah. And you better be hearing something, and it better be lining up with God. Problem is, is there's goofy people. The problem's not with God, it's with people, humanity. We're goofy. People come up with all kinds of crazy things, saying God said this and God said that. When it doesn't even line up with the word. My goodness, I always start right here at the word. I would rather get a scripture from the Lord that, in, that, 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 that jumped out to me when I was reading than, than to hear some voice of something and think, I wonder if that was God or not. I'd rather have it right here in the word. They're both good, but I mean, come on. He said that this is the, the, the purchase price. Okay, so let me take you back down, and then we're going we're gonna to have communion. I don't know how I get so long-winded when I think I ain't got nothing to say. Go back to Galatians 3.13. Let me show you this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you are redeemed. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed. You are redeemed. You can't, don't need to be re-redeemed. You may need to repent. Something's got hold of you, but you do not need to be re-redeemed. You've done been redeemed. He became a curse for us. So his written curses, everyone hangs on a tree. Here we go. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That blessing God Almighty said, I'm going to bless you. Okay, so let's put yourself in Abraham's position. God speaking to you, and he says, I will bless you. And then are you going to stop God and say, <clears throat> now what does that exactly mean? Could you write down the terms a little more detail of what does it mean that you're blessing me? I'd like a little more verification on that part of the covenant. Would you be stupid enough to try that? No, if God says, I'm going to bless you, then my goodness, that means anything and everything is taken care of, right? It's God saying it, the creator of the world. 
Now, see, here's where you're, I just, it's like all of a sudden it just, I'm overcome with this wave of thoughts. Like, it's like I'm hearing your thoughts. Some of y'all saying, yeah, but, but, you know, like, uh, I mean, I don't feel very blessed. Yeah, you don't because you've not walked by faith in the covenant that God cut with Abraham. You've by faith not walked in what the word says. By faith, you've not lived in the truth. By faith, you've listened and looked and, and, and discerned everything. See, folks, I'm a simple country boy. And I just believe the word of God's true. And I praise God that one of the years that I was in church, I didn't learn anything. I praise God that my thoughts were about getting out of there and where I was going to eat and what girls I was going to chase and where we were going to go to the river and what was going on. I wasn't thinking at all about church. I was going to just keep my parents happy. Sorry, Mother. I know you're watching. But I didn't learn anything. So when I began to read the Bible, I just thought it's truth. It was the first time it just leaped out to me. I didn't have anything to unlearn. I didn't have any old doctrine to get rid of and say, well, what? I was brought up to think. No, I wasn't brought up to think anything but be good. And it's such a blessing. Because when I read it, I say, wow, Lord, you poured your blood out on there. And that's what's freaking to meet him. So when I get up there and the devil comes and tries to harass me, I say, <laughs> wait, hold on. Ho! What is, what is crying out in heaven today? I bring him to Sunday school. I make the devil sit down and listen. You know, you left. You were thrown to heaven like lightning. You didn't even stand a chance, man. Jesus smoked you, told you. <laughs> So you just sit down there and be quiet. Listen, the blood's crying out for me today in heaven. That blood's poured out for me. I've been redeemed by the curse because I'm in faith. And God says that because of this, the same blessing he put on over Abraham. Now, if you go look at Abraham's life, he was blessed. I mean, as far as if you're looking at wealth and, and you know, his life and God and what he was doing with him, he was blessed. But the blessing was God said, I'll bless you. And anybody doesn't bless you or curses you, then I'll take care of that too. And he said, so I said, look, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with Abraham. That's what it says in Galatians 3.13. The blessing of God is How do I know that I'm blessed? I got the Holy Ghost. How do I know I'm blessed? I got the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. That he might receive the promise of the Spirit. It was the next thing Jesus was doing. He was pouring out after redemption was the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what every Christian should be doing if you were taught right. So that as you get saved and then in the next step you should be seeking the Holy Spirit. You should be doing everything you can to have the Holy Spirit in your life. So that you know that you have your earnest money. You're guaranteed the promise of the Spirit upon you. Not running and saying... It scares me. Having the almighty God to be with you, your helper, your comforter, your guide throughout your whole life here on this earth. <laughs> huh? I mean, folks, listen, I, I just every day I wake up and I think, you know, Lord, I don't see how things can get crazy in the world. I don't see how people can get stupider. I mean, I know they feed at the trough of stupidity, but I don't know how they could get stupider. And then what happens? Something happens. You just get stupider. And I'm like, how is that possible? You know? And, and, and so we're in these times we're living in. How could it go wrong if I got God with me? He's my comforter. He's my guide. So here you go. This is the deal before we take communion. Psalms 116, verse 9. I'm going to tell you what to do because there's a lot of great orators in life. Like I listen to different people and listen to different podcasts and stuff. And there's some people I listen to that when I get through, I was like, Lord, I don't know anything. That dude's smart. But my whole, my whole gifting is to teach you how to apply what I just preached to you in your life. And if you don't get it, well, it's so simple, then you got some real issues. Okay, I'm sorry to say that, but if you don't get it, then you just are definitely not thinking. So I want to show you here. This is how you're going to apply it now. Psalms 116, verses 9 through 14. Psalmist David here says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, so that's you here on earth. We're stuck in this cursed earth. 
until we die and go to heaven. Here you go. I believe. Everybody say, I believe. Therefore, I spoke. Come on, say, I believe. Therefore, I spoke. There's a principle here that is what is going to happen. You're going to have to wake up every day. You're going to have to get up and you're going to have to say out of your mouth, God, I believe that Jesus, you poured the blood out for me and I am redeemed. You're going to have to say out of your mouth, Lord, you sent the promise of the Holy Spirit upon me and I thank you for filling me full of the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to have to walk every day. God, I thank you that you're with me. I'm walking in the land of the living and I just believe you're with me. God, you're with me today. You're not... I mean, it could happen, see something, but you're not going to. You don't have to sit there and pray till you feel a little cool. Go, woo! That's the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. He's with me today. Felt him right there. Woo! No, that's just emotionalism. You're walking every day saying, God, I just think you're with me. Holy Spirit, you're here with me. Oh, what do I need to do about this, Holy Ghost? I got this bill over here. I don't have any money. Can't pay it. How should I take care of this? Would you show me that? Oh, 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 Sister Sally over here, she's not feeling good today. Can, can, and we need to pray for her. And, and so I just pray for her and say, you, you touch her? That's how you're living your life. You believe, therefore you speak. I know that there's people that think I'm crazy. I know it. I don't have to. I mean, there's people who think that I'm off. And I'm looking at them saying... You know, I'm laughing at them because I'm like, dude, you're, you're just ridiculous. But I'm telling you, this is so simple. This is not like you had to have some, you had to come up and see a burning bush. No, he says, I believe it. Therefore, I speak it. It becomes your vision, your focus that God Almighty is with you. You have been redeemed. The blood of Jesus is crying out in heaven for you, and you're redeemed. And the promise of the Father has been sent upon you, so you better get it coming out of your mouth. And what you believe, you better start speaking. Are, are you already doing that? What you believe you're speaking, sitting around, hey, ain't nothing ever going to be good for me. I ain't going to make it. I don't know why you're not helping me, God. Here I am down here. Just let me here until I die. Go to get it down. What are you speaking? He said, I walked before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, I spoke. And then look what he says. I'm greatly afflicted. I sit in my haste. All men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? Well, I'm going to take the cup of salvation. I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, he said, yeah, I spoke there, but I spoke wrong. But I caught myself. And now I'm speaking right. So I'm challenging you today. You may have been speaking wrong walking in here, but walk out of here speaking right. Walk out of here saying, come on, Holy Spirit. I thank you you're with me today. You're going to show me. You're going to lead me. You're going to guide me. Get your confession going and speaking it. And watch what God does for you. Watch what begins to change you because now all of a sudden you're just taking what Jesus died on a cross for you and you're applying it to your life. Folks, this is real. This isn't a fairy tale. Jesus died for you. Jesus, the son of God, coming to earth for you. This is real. This is not a fairy tale. What I'm telling you is the truth. You're going to be so shocked when you get to heaven and find out that all that I showed you, the altar and everything, it was there. It was there. Yeah, it was there. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, hey, get your speaking right. Now, I want you to know here, we, we have an open communion service. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've gone to the altar of redemption and given your heart to Jesus, then, then you're welcome to have communion with us. If you're out there watching wherever you are all over the world, get you some bread, get you some wine, or get you some juice, or get you some water if that's all you got. 
Because God's going to bless it because it's by your faith anyway. But, but uh, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, well, that's your first step. You've got to do what I said here. You've got to believe that Jesus paid a price for you. And if you call out on his name anywhere in this world, no matter what time zone you're in, no matter where you're at on this message, listen to me. Jesus will touch you right where you are. But you have to repent of your sins, and you have to ask him to come into your life, and you have to believe that his sacrifice on the cross brought your redemption. And then the promise of the Father is yours because he's already sent it. And so if you're in here today, we're going to have a prayer team up here in just a minute. And, and I just encourage you, if you come to the front and get served communion and, and you think, well, wait a minute, I don't know if I'm really right with God. Well, then get one of the prayer team people to pray with you right there and give your heart to Jesus. If you need to do some repenting because you've been speaking the wrong things, well, then repent. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and call out your sin. We're all sinners. We all know what we need to do. But listen to your heart and what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And let today be a new and a fresh day. Amen? And so let me have my, 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 prayer, my prayer team people or my altar people or whatever you're called today. I can't think. You know who you are. Just come to the front, please. The Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, now take and eat for this is my body, which was broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we take this bread. We take this broken body and we just declare, Lord God, that. The Lord, today, all people that are that are taking communion, that are sick in their bodies, I thank you for healing them. I just believe you by faith for just do supernatural events today. And Lord, we praise you for what you gave, your sacrifice for us through your broken body. Then afterwards, you took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out of my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Drink in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we thank you for this cup. And we thank you, Lord God, that you went and poured your blood out on that altar for us so that we could be redeemed. And, Lord, we give you praise for it. And we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. So those of you at home, take your communion, have your fellowship with the Lord, and let the God of peace come upon you right there in Jesus' mighty name. go. 
Okay, church. Come on now and fill this altar. And just receive from the Lord everything you have need of. standing there 
praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. So church, stand up if you would. Now you're blessed to be a blessing, amen? And you're going to change what's coming out of your mouth, amen? And the Holy Ghost is with you, amen? All right. We're going to go. we got dinner on the grounds over here, fellowship with somebody, make a new friend today. I'm going to pray over the food, bless it, and... And then we can go and have fellowship together. So, Father, I just praise you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, what you did for us. You poured your blood out for us. You sent the promise of the Father to us. And so, therefore, Lord, as we believe, we're going to speak. And we're going to walk in the land of the living. And we're going to be a blessing because we're blessed. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. ask you to bless all the food, all the hands that have prepared it, our time together. Let us make new friends, new relationships, Lord, today. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.